Greetings, parish orphans and retrogrades. Happy show number one, Rules for Retrogrades, post-Dobbs. Happy first week after Dobbs, the fifth day. This is like D minus five <laughs> days or D plus five days. It's, it's a new, we, do we need a new calendar? Uh, we're not going to correspond based on uh, the overturn of Roe versus Wade, but it feels like we should. With me to celebrate a little bit and partly to do analysis on the backlash from the Dobbs decision, which overturned Roe versus Wade, is my friend and co-author, Dr. Michael Robillard. How are you, Mike? How's it going, Tim? Yeah, uh, doing well. Thanks for having me on, on the show again. Yeah, we have, uh, we have coming up uh, quite, quite a few things to celebrate of our own before we get into yep. any, anything regarding the so-called night of rage. Hilarious <laughs> night of rage, actually. Um, number one, we, so our book is coming out, Don't Go to College. It's coming out in, can you believe it, almost just a month, Mike? It's yeah, early right. August. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was like a year ago when we started formulating this idea and it's a blink of the eye and now, now it's here. So it's, uh, yeah, it'll be good. Folks, what started out as a joke, I think by text between <laughs> yeah. Mike and me, like we should write a book called Don't Go to College and just flip the bird to academia. Uh, no. I think Mike said that to me and I go, that's funny. We, we should... Uh, try to pitch it to a major conservative bookseller like Regnery. And then Regnery called me and I was like, hey, you'll never get this, but we have this joke idea. And they liked it. Yada, yada, yada. A year later, the book is inked and being printed and it's going to press. I think it's at press now. And it will be available the first week of August. Yep. Uh, it's a fait accompli. But so can we, I mean, what we expect, what we've been told, Mike, is that uh, you went on to Tucker, Tucker Carlson. You filmed a show. It's going to be on Don't Go to College because uh, yeah. Tucker loves the idea. He loves it profoundly. He told you in as yes. many words. Yeah. <laughs> and would you just want to tell the audience about that experience? It's pre-filmed. It's in the can. You did this like around the time little Penelope was born. You flew yeah, over like, there. Like and, a and month ago, maybe. It. Yeah. 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 Uh, went into his studio. Uh, we sat down for an hour long conversation on his Tucker Carlson Today show. And, and yeah, it was a, a long chat about how messed up academia and college is and how parents and, and uh, you know, Gen Zers should avoid it at all costs. And uh, the five minute segment of it, the teaser should air tonight on Tucker Carlson Tonight. So, uh, that, and then it's on Fox nation is the, the one hour interview tomorrow, allegedly. Right. I mean, Correct. all this yeah, stuff that, is subject to change. Tomorrow. Yeah. There could always be a, a, uh, day of rage bomb that goes off in New York city or something. And then yeah. we get bombed. Yeah. That's the crazy thing. So I, I don't want all the retrogrades and parish orphans out there to deign that we're liars if something should change, but what we've been told tentatively, no big deal. Correct. Only the yep. biggest show in the free world is that Mike's interview on our book, Don't Go to College, will be, uh, I guess, previewed tonight the way Tucker does on the Fox yep. News show. And yep. it will be on the day show, full hour interview tomorrow. No big deal, right? Yeah, I know. Huh? Yeah. 
pretty, pretty nuts. I had a lot of FOMO happening, as the kids say. I had, I had a lot of the feeling of missing out. I was back here taking Have care of a newborn baby. <laughs> no. Uh, anyway, it's, it's a big deal. And, and congratulations, Mike. And congratulations to us. But, you know, hooray for Thanks, us. Thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, just, it's just a heck of a book. And yep. it's going to be hilarious. And there's, there's going to be a lot more to follow. But, but what, speaking of to follow... On Friday, Roe versus Wade was overturned. It still feels, it's still a celebratory mood around our house. I, we just were walking on air all day, all weekend. We couldn't believe it. Via our new state, Mississippi's Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health. And there had been, even to the Department of Homeland Security and DAs around the country, uh, a, a tip of the hat. Uh, prefigured, anticipated night of rage by a bunch of girls and freaks and trannies and all that in the streets the night following, you know, Friday, Friday into Saturday morning. Now, the media has been iffy on whether or not this happened. It actually did. What they're not telling you is it was just a bunch of girls raging and people pretty much just ignored them, which is advisable, right? <laughs> Um, so th there was though, as a matter of fact, I'm reading some of the story, I, I, you know, I was so happy and so busy with our celebrations. We wanted a special date on Saturday. We just couldn't believe it. Um, some are reporting like the daily beast that this MAGA media, only the MAGA media, not the department of Homeland security warned mm -hmm. of post row night of rage that never happened. And, um, that, that's a recent article from less than a day ago. It did happen. Ten were arrested, uh, according to The Hill, in Oregon during a night of rage in response to abortion ruling. Uh, L.A. Uh, PD officer was nearly killed. There was an attempted murder by one of these uh, dames on, on an LAPD officer. There were widespread kind of tantrums because it was a bunch of, you know, nasty women who were just running around in the streets and they, they don't really they didn't really do much to reduplicate the violence from two summers ago where the mm -hmm. country was just on fire in our major cities, which we were kind of expecting, right, Mike? Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, so now comes this, the analysis. What I did a show, what was it, a week and a half ago, probably 12 days ago, on defend yourselves defend your churches uh ruth sent us and jane's revenge and all these uh girlish feminist groups were sending promises of fire bombings there are uh, you know over half a dozen fire bombings between the the publication of the may the second draft of alito's opinion and the publication nearly two months later so there was real violence happening, real terrorism happening. It wasn't just uh, predicted. It wasn't all a blocked wish. And here's the thing. When I did my show, a lot of the, the true blue people out there, of course, agreed with what I was saying. Like, look, defend yourselves. Defend yourselves legally and morally, lawfully, which means you have to be actually defending yourself against real bodily harm serious bodily harm or someone else against serious bodily harm, but defend yourselves. And I got, I wouldn't say major backlash, but I got the predicted 
mild to moderate backlash of goody two-shoes, Ned Flanders, misinformed Christians that were denouncing self-defense or others' defense mm. as vigilantism. When the hell did this begin? When Christians in this country started saying that defending yourself is offensive vigilantism. Yeah, I mean, you, you can imagine that, that taking the, the, the fifth commandment of, of thou shalt not kill or Christ's command to turn the other cheek or, you know, we, we refer to Jesus as the Prince of Peace. You could see people taking that too far as thinking that what drops out of that is this absolutist pacifism. Uh, but that's certainly not the case uh, within Christianity. Obviously, Christ's own behavior within the temple, uh, you know, driving the money changers out. That's that's a clear instance of permissible uh, use of force. And then throughout the entirety of, of the, the Catholic um, canon uh, to our to our uh, present catechism, there's an account of justified self and especially justified other defense. Because um, I knew we were going to be talking about this. I just wanted to reference one part of the catechism where it says uh, in, in 2265, legitimate defense can be not only a right, but a grave duty for one who is responsible for the lives of others. The defense of the common good requires that an unjust aggressor be rendered unable to cause harm. For this reason, those who legitimately hold authority also have the right to use arms to repel aggressors against the civil community entrusted to their responsibility. So, I mean, there's a lot of things going on there, uh, I mean, particularly at this point about uh, legitimate authority. But the, the more broad point is that passive, Christianity doesn't entail absolute passivism, particularly when you, you think not just self-defense, but other defense. Yeah, I know. I think Jehovah's Witnesses are pacifists. I think, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, the, the seven, Seventh-day Adventists out there. <laughs> I think Seventh-day Adventist is pacifist, but none of the legit Trinitarian actual Christian sects are pacifists. Why? Because, because even the Protestants who are actual Trinitarian Christians basically function on the watchword of sola scriptura the scripture's full of this stuff now i you're right let's let's knock these down one by one jesus is called the prince of peace even though he said i i came not to bring peace but a sword yeah when you when you talk about mike i i've argued with a with a ned flanders on on twitter at length about this years back mm. before i i i knew what to do and what not to do on twitter on the uh, driving out the money changers. Do you know what he also did? He fashioned an ad hoc bullwhip yeah. and he was whipping people. Yeah. And this guy was like, no, he wasn't whipping people. I was like, yes, he was. I mean, go read the scripture itself. Go read the synoptic account. He was whipping people out of there. So it was, you said, forcible, forcible defense of the temple. By the way, that wouldn't even qualify as defense of self or others under the law. So Jesus was doing something more offensive in defense of something we'll, we'll talk about kind of in closing. Well, what about defending monuments, national <laughs> symbols, flags? Right, right. That's not yep. defense of self or others. 
So mm-hmm. I want people to be real. I'm, I'm not saying it's, it's, it's super cool. Jesus can do it. He can, he can, he can write the rules, but I'm just saying that what we're strongly admonishing, what we're strongly distinguishing from vigilantism, which is always offensive. Mm-hmm. You go on the offense because someone yeah. killed your father or something, you know, um, that is defense of self or others, and it's always justifiable. We'll talk about under what what moral and legal theory. It's really the principle of double effect. Uh, I'll talk about that a little bit later. But um, Jesus does something far more offensive. So, so bull whipping people. Is he the prince of peace? Maybe in some teleological sense, but not in the procedural sense. In so far, then procedurally, he came to bring not peace, but a sword. He's going to turn mother against daughter and father against son and all, all the other things that he says throughout the particularly synoptic accounts where he's like, look, I rep, I, I am love. I am logos. I am God, but, and, and I want the best for everyone, but you guys are going to have to fight. Now, do you get, when you have, when you undertake this discussion, Mike, cause we both, both of us do it a lot in our private lives. We're always talking about this. What about the one where people are like, yeah, but Jesus didn't resist when they arrested him. And that's supposed to be the account, not for not for Christ, but for Christians. Do you hear that one a lot? Yeah, I think that that's a sim- similar um, reason that gets rolled out that, that s- seems to suggest that passivism drops out of, out of uh, passivist absolutism drops out of Christianity. Yeah, that's not one particular instance where Jesus knew he had to fulfill this. We don't know as Catholics, it's never been dogmatically spelled out, whether it's atonement theory or you know right. the other theories yeah. of the crucifixion. But he knew he had to go be crucified. So he tells Peter, you know, it, uh, you know, gladius petri impius yeah. erat. Yeah, your sword's wicked. Let It would be wicked because it would stop me from fulfilling my, my destiny. I, I came here yeah. to be crucified to expiate to atone for the the original sin of Adam and Eve, or else you guys are all out of luck. That's different. So from that, these Christian absolutist pacifists that I'm constantly interacting with on days like Friday or Saturday after Dobbs, those people extract uh, a Christian absolutist pacifism from the fact that one time, 2,000 years ago, Jesus was like, look, don't defend me here. I have to go to, I have to go be crucified. That mm. means that all Christians everywhere, even though we fought all of these glorious holy wars called the crusades, what were they about? If, if not defending monuments and symbols. Right. right. Yeah. So, I mean, okay. So applied to the riots, there's this principle that I want, everyone out there to 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 take away and it's very dangerous i'll add it's sort of dangerous to do this because you know then then people are gonna say oh you you know they're gonna try to get you on incitement well you can't because what one needs to do to triple check that their action against terrorists is defensive is you need to check the laws in your state uh, what do I have to do to qualify for the affirmative defense? If things go really south, the affirmative defense 
that's called defensive self or others in the case of, okay, someone's trying to, someone breaks into your church and is trying to kill a police officer who's there at your church, just like happened in LA. And you have the right, even though you're not an official of the state, the way the police officer is to help defend that police officer. He's an innocent, right? You have the right to defend the guy sitting next to you at church. You have the right to defend your wife. You have the right to defend yourself even with lethal force, but it has to be exigent threat of real bodily harm to, to you or to others in your vicinity. And they have to be innocent. They can't have caused it. You say this and people start accusing you of vendettaism and vigilantism. Is this an intentional mistake that folks have made or are, are Christians just being duped? What, what's the story with it? Well, I think uh, one thing that, that came to mind as you were just saying that is that I think I totally agree that folks should know, know the laws in their state. They should work with their local law enforcement to, to come up with certain contingency plans so that they're not, if something worst case scenario does happen, they're not like, they're not coming up with a plan on the fly, right? They're not caught in the back foot, but they, they, they know, Oh, okay. If some knucklehead breaks into the church and he's trying to make a run to grab, you know, grab the Eucharist or something like what, what can I, what can I do? Right. Um, and then work out certain scenarios as to what, what your, your contingency plans are. Um, so that's one preemptive way to not do something that's disproportionate or, or unnecessary. Um, but I think in general, what we're talking about is what constitutes threat behavior. And if these folks are saying we're, we, we, they've already stipulated, we're going to do these things. So now the question is like, to, to what degree do you ought to start taking them at their word? And I don't know, having some contingency plans for, for what that might look like. And then, um, if people want to say, well, that bristling or that taking on of, of a self-defensive posture constitutes threat or incitement. Like, so now, now we're, we're, we're in that, that ratchet effect. Um, but I think just having the conversation, I don't think constitutes threat behavior at all. Yeah. Generally speaking, even though there are several States, capital S and capital S, there are 50 of them, each with their own codified law or sometimes, you know, statutory law, most of them follow one of two paths, the common law tradition on criminal law or the model penal code uh, on criminal law. And pretty much on this area, affirmative defenses, like, hey, someone broke into my house. It's just, it's a precept of the natural law. I can defend myself or my family. If the threat is exigent, I want to talk about that in a second. Mm -hmm. So that, that pretty much all 50 states are, are quite similar there are there is no major differential diagnosis. There's no major departure that one state doesn't allow this or that. I remember I think the most lenient state for conservatives to strike back used to be of all places Colorado, pot smoking Colorado, more than Texas, more than all people's first guesses for what would be most uh, counter violence lenient on. I forget what it was. I think it's changed since then, but you used to be able to like defend your car in your driveway or something, something crazy in Colorado, which always surprises law students. Uh, I think it's changed since then. Double check me anyway. You can't do that anyway. Defending property is different. 
and tricky, which is why I want to talk about defenses of the Eucharist. If, uh, you know, Jane's revenge shows up at your church on Sunday and starts trying to desecrate Eucharist, that is a kind of defense of, of, of a person. Um, there might be a departure between the moral tradition and the legal tradition there. So I, I don't know what you do. You got to be careful because the law is not going to look at that as a, as an attack on a person. But, um, the, the fact of the matter is you have to know that when you're being advanced on, okay, these people have promised publicly, these pro-abortion terrorists have promised publicly that they're going to, uh, a night of extreme violence was the Department of Homeland Security's term. So not even just petty violence, whatever that is, extreme violence. They promised this publicly. There, I will admit, there is a danger in going, okay, they, they promised this. And now someone's showing up to my church. There is a, a, a possibility of disproportionate overreaction, Mike, because you've heard they said it. These might just be goofball copycats that, that show up because they saw them doing it. All they're going to do is, you know, desecrate the church that's bad enough um but that doesn't mean they're there to do extreme violence so to qualify for the affirmative defense i just want to clarify this for folks out there to qualify for the affirmative defense extreme uh threat of extreme violence or serious bodily injury in most states is the language to you or others that will justify justifiable homicide affirmative defense if it's extreme bodily harm to you or others, but don't the building not going to cut it mild bodily harm, not going to cut it. Uh, man, there's tricky cases because we want to defend, I guess the flag we want to much more. So want to defend our churches much more. So we still, we want to defend the Eucharist, but the law ain't going to count the, even the Eucharist as a person. Cause the law is uh, after 1947, it's Masonic. So I, I do want to just take that moment to clarify for folks that the principle of double effect that you probably heard about will not justify you legally or morally in uh, killing someone just because they break into your home. If they think better of it, Mike, maybe you can help me unpack this. Moral situation A, a person breaks into your home and is advancing on you. That's an imminent threat like this, you know, Scooby-Doo yep. villain uh, and all. Okay, that's that's situation A. Situation B is someone breaks into your home, then they, they think better of it, they start running out the front door. Right. How can we distinguish between A and B in terms of what you're actually allowed to do? Right, yeah. So, I mean, this, this comes down to, I mean, conditions of proportionality and necessity and imminence, right? So those are all satisfied if someone's breaking into your house. Uh, you know, if they're, they're bringing lethal harm uh, that's imminent, then it's necessary, proportionate and um, effective to, to use corresponding harm to, to stop that threat. If they're retreating now, they're not an imminent threat and it's not a condition of necessity or proportionality. Um, so right. that's, that's your, that's your main distinction. Uh, people often conflate. You saw this, somebody respond to you on Twitter the other day where they said, um, you know, uh, I'm pro uh, anti-death penalty, right? Let's let's do that. And they're, right away, they're they're conflating liability, which is future-looking, versus um, 
dessert, which is backwards looking. So the, you know, that people often conflate dessert and liability in, in these cases as well. So that needs to be, so even if the guy's the baddie and he's running away, that's, it's not permissible to, to be judged during execution or even if he deserves some punishment later on. Right. Even John, Mike, even John Paul II in his 1997 revision to the catechism, even he makes this conflation you're talking about treating the death penalty under what's called the prerogative of the state can kill retributively, can, can punish by killing someone uh, because it holds the medieval term is the prerogative. So it can kill just on the basis of retributivism. John Paul II conflates that. He doesn't understand. And I think he gets a lot of this through John Finnis and the new natural law guys. If I had to guess, because they make the same conflation with the principle of double effect. When the state punishes a guilty accused murderer and sentences them to death, this is not the operative principle of double effect. When someone is advancing on you, then under the auspices of those three elements, right? You said necessity, uh, uh, proportionality, proportionality, necessity, yeah. and imminence. Yeah. Under that, literally, this this is going to make mistake uh, a lot of sense to a lot of non philosophers out there. But you can literally, under the principle of double effect, shoot them and say, "Well, what my intent was." under those three elements was to defend myself and my family. And there's this double side effect that was unintended. It's a double effect, unintended double effect that this person got killed. And uh, skeptics of the principle of double effect and Thomistic action theory will always go, oh yeah, like you didn't know it was going to happen. It's like, no, no, no. In effect, a second effect, a side effect can be fully foreseen, but not intended. That always yep. throws non-philosophers for a loop. You can know a guy's breaking in if he's advancing on you like the Scooby-Doo villain. Then he, uh, this is just hardcore Thomistic action theory. It's what I'll end up dissertating on. He's coming at you. All you're doing, if you put a bullet, two, two in the chest, right? Not even one. If it's a guy's coming at you with a knife or your wife with a knife, you put two in the chest, you are covered under the principle of double effect, because what you're intending is to defend your wife or yourself. You took moral proportionate yep. means while, while, you know, while it was timely. And then there was this fully foreseeable, let's say it's 100% knowable, side effect, yet you didn't intend it. So the average person, the, the, the philosophy muggle, can't get their head around the idea of a foreseen but not intended side effect but but they're real and they're real for thomas aquinas and and the funny thing is when it comes to this isn't a death penalty show but even folks at the highest ranks of the catholic world and the catholic philosophy world like the new natural law guys john paul ii put it in a catechism the 97 catechism which is really embarrassing uh he's talking about the uh death penalty as if it was ever justified by the principle of double effect. A private citizen, if a private citizen is going to defend himself or others, needs the principle of double effect. A private citizen can never intend, as far as I'm, I'm remembering, can never intend to kill someone. But the state can fully intend to kill someone. Like, you're on death row. You're not threatening anyone. You are, as John Paul II uh, 
makes the mistake famously now in the 1997 catechism revision, you can be fully, people can all be a hundred percent safe from you. No double effect, no threat coming from uh, a murderer. You know, if they put them, put them in the hole or whatever, lock them away in a, a deep, dark prison and the state can kill, still kill him out of retributism because the state holds the prerogative. People can't. <laughs> now, if people go do that, here's the conceptual bridge. If people are like, you killed my father, you dirty rat, you killed my brother, you go James Cagney. And then you light out to find the murderer of your brother. This is offensive. This is the wrong conflation of uh, retributivism and principle of double effect. And, and, and that what you've just that's properly v- vigilantism. That's what you've just described. And that the media is going to often conflate that with people taking a, de- a mere defensive posture to defend their church against a stipulated threat. Exactly. That's what vi- I mean. That's what vigilantism is, is an often maybe a, an understandable, but it, it, not condonable offensive posture where you're like, I'm going to go find this sleaze bag and kill him. Like every good action movie ever. You can't do that. You can't do one of my favorite movies of all time uh, uh, out of the furnace. Mm-hmm. Didn't we watch right. that when you're yeah, yeah. in with yeah. us writing? Yep. He can't the, the, the Christian Bale and out of the furnace, Christian Bale in 310 to Yuma. I, I, every, everyone he's killing in 310 to Yuma, he's being threatened. So it's justifiable. Yep. The, well, I don't want to re- ruin out of the furnace, though. The, the, the kill at the end scene is not justifiable, even though it's, we, we understand it. He's by and large a good guy, but you cannot use vigilantism to kill someone. And the point is all the Ned Flanderses are out there. When I do a tweet or I do a show saying Night of Rage is coming, make sure you protect yourself and others I'm not talking about the churches or even the Eucharist now, yourself and others against extreme bodily harm with proportionate means. And that, that, that might be a justifiable uh, homicide, the affirmative defense. But you have to check all the boxes and you have to check mm-hmm. your state laws to make sure I'm right. People start calling that vigilantism. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's total conflation of, of these things, as you just described. Well, I mean, there's I, there shouldn't be this much confusion, people. When you check, when you do the moral calculus, that that really uh, the the Thomistic moral calculus predominates, the intellectual tradition and the Catholic moral theology totally predominates it, like most other areas of Thomism. It just it uh, it has predominate uh, predominated it, and it has preponderated. So what Thomas says. People say, well, it's not doctor. Well, it pretty much goes because all the moral manuals were, were written basically around Thomas, at least on this issue. And it's not excusable for guys like John Finnis or uh, Jermaine Grisey or Robbie George to be making such fundamental mistakes or John Paul II, Pope St. John Paul II, to be making such a fundamental mistake in our catechism. That, that 1997 catechism still needs to be corrected, by the way. It's more understandable when some schmo makes the the conflation on Twitter, conflating offensive vigilantism and and justifiable defensive homicide. I wonder, have we lost everybody yet? (laughs) No. (laughs) Um, I I mean, I don't know, man. So what what are we to expect? Is the night of rage, is this ever going to eventuate in a bigger way? Because everyone 
the uh, Daily Beast people sounded disappointed. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's um, I think still still so- too soon to tell. But if these folks make good on their promises, then I think we're, we're going to predictably see more and more. You know, I, I think one off sort of precision arson and um, vandalism attacks on churches. And then the, the response in the mainstream media is like, oh, well, it was just a bit of arson. It was just, a, you know, it's just some paint. And it's like, well, actually, no, that, you know, there's the, the what that is actually socially signaling is something far more sinister. And uh, that that's where it gets very, very interesting as to what what a proportional um, de- defensive posture ought, ought to look like, you know, because because it isn't just paint. If somebody just painted a swastika on a synagogue or they just hung a noose on a, a black church right it's not just a rope it's not just just paint right that that's very much a a social signal of of something far more pernicious what uh, is the so, social signal of I, I'm, I'm not playing devil's advocate i mean i, I agree but what 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 I, is it it's not protected political speech i'll, I'll say that much it, yeah. so you're, you're definitely right but what what really is that a threat I, it, I, yeah, I think it's it's a social. I, it, I think it's quite similar to to the to the bully shooting a, a spitball like right across your head during uh, you know home room or something, right? Where it's just sort of like I was able I was able to, to get this close to you and you didn't do anything. So right. now I'm gonna now now I'm gonna see what, what what's the next edge I can push, right? Right. Um, so I think that that's the it's like we were able to do this in your backyard and and you took it. It's an ever rising tide. Look, I'm writing, Mike, me and you need to, we need to write a few articles on this together. Like when we first became friends, you were like, you'd watch some shows and you'd read, I think my American thinker piece from now 10 years ago, where I'm basically saying, uh, there's a, there's a a case for national divorce here. Um, This is in 2012 and there's more of one now, which also, it's it's easy to conflate it's not the exact same topic as self-defense when we're talking about justifiable counter-revolutions or justifiable secessions or whatever but it's related kind of like the the death penalty stuff is related i mean we need to get together on and and there is an, an additional conceptual bridge it's that like look there's violence in the streets if that violence escalates terrorism fire bombings of churches that that many DAs seem to be aiding and abetting because the, the deep state is so deep in the federal government. And even in many of the state uh, legal apparatuses, uh, attorneys general and stuff, this could in many ways realistically uh, constitute the beginning of a kind of civil war. Do you think that's a bridge too far to say, do you think I'm crazy or is that realistic? I, I don't think so. In so far as, I mean, you're, you're, you're familiar. I'm sure your um, listeners are familiar with the, the Sorites paradox of the, the paradox of the heap, right? So you have the one grain of sand and then another grain of sand. And then, you know, Sorites asks, at what point does the, does the singular grain of sand become aggregate to become a heap? And at some point it, along that, that vague slide, you have a heap of sand on your, on your hands. Uh, 
and what we're looking at, it's just been these one-off, one grain of sand, this incident and that incident and this incident. And looked at in isolation, people might go, well, it's just, what's, what's your big problem? It's just one incident in isolation. It's just yet another grain of sand. But when you, you, you pan out, uh, these grain, grains of sand have been stacking up for quite some time now, such that not just folks like yourself or Marjorie, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene on the right, but people like Sarah Silverman, like comedians on the left, are also saying we need a national divorce, right? So it's, it's not just your American thinker piece from 10 years ago. It's, it's in the, the social zeitgeist on both sides. Um, so it's, uh, it's definitely, it's not a fringe view. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's something to the truism that in the middle 1770s, our founding fathers and the sons of liberty in the north and, and you know, the, the planters in the south like Jefferson and, uh, uh, you know, Patrick Henry and those, those guys, they were ballers. They were calling two or three grains of sand a heap before everyone else. Right. Yeah. Now, not like they were trigger happy, but I mean, they were calling, they were the first ones to call. All right, we got a heap here. That's what we got. And what they were calling a heap wasn't acts of terrorism by English parliament. They were minor excise taxes on breakfast beverages, the, the, the sugar act, the stamp act, the tea act, the Townsend acts. <laughs> they, they were like, Hey, this is, this is a heap of aggressions against us. And I'm like, Hey man, I salute you. Uh, good for you. Uh, again, it wasn't it wasn't as um, sanguinary a conflict as most wars, and these guys didn't get uh, they never gave in to bloodlust, but they were they were pretty quick to act. Whereas us, on the other hand, as my American thinker piece strongly insinuates, let's call it that, the grievances by our own federal government against us are so much more. They were so much more in 2012. And now with all of the, I don't know, anarcho-tyranny in the streets, uh, attorneys general across the country covering up, basically working in tandem with recently freed crazies from mental institutes and criminals and green-haired freaks and sexual perverts of all sort to do violence on, on the left's political enemies. It's way, way, way past that. We have a pile of sand and no one's yeah. willing to call it. It's just one, one, one pile, uh, one, one piece of sand, one grain dropped time after time. That's all you're doing. We're like the exact opposite of the founders. Yeah. By the way, Marjorie Taylor Greene, conservative. Sorry, her name triple. People are still talking about this. Her name triple along with my excitement, the excitement of the day. I was associating with... The, the typical feminist name triple, you know, Elizabeth Cady Stanton, uh, Judith Jarvis Thompson, Judith Jarvis Thompson. Yeah. There's yeah. so many of them. I just, I wasn't thinking about her, but yes, yeah, she's, she's a good guy. She's anti-abortion. She is. She's actually said, Mike, uh, she yeah. thinks we need a revolution. She said, yeah, she, she made, she was like the, the right wing call for national divorce to the Sarah Silverman left version. I think Dan Crenshaw, I think, critiqued her saying she was nuts. Oh, um, wow. Wow. So yeah. she's not only that's extra embarrassing for me. She's not only right wing. She's like 
really cool in your case. Yeah. 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 I, 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 very I, just, so, yeah. <laughs> I recognized her. I just couldn't remember if she was a righty or lefty. And I thought that voice was hers in the video, but anyway, Marjorie Taylor green, uh, tip of the hat to you. And, um, I hope you're safe and I salute your ideas because, because they're real. There's real exigency to them, Mike. So if all goes according to plan, You'll be on Tucker Carlson tonight. That's that's what we think. It, your face will at least pop up on Tucker Carlson tonight for a, a, a few seconds. In less that is, yeah, day. that is what I'm told by uh, his staff people. So that's what they're planning. And then the actual episode is scheduled to drop tomorrow on Tucker Carlson today. So, in, yeah, like unless something wacky happens in the news cycle that bumps it, I think that's, that's the plan. That's super cool. I wish I we could... I wish it was more definite, you know, like, I know. Just, yeah, yeah. It's never that definite with these, these news folk, but I mean, that had to have been a cool experience. The Tucker thing people are saying, I think in the chat, like, Oh wow. no, it's it super cool. It's super down to earth too. He's like, just uh, you, 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 um, you'd want to have a beer with him and just sort of just chat and, uh, and hang out. So, and, and, and make fun of stuff. I, I think he's the kind of guy, cause I like to make fun of stuff. I'd love to have, three beers with him and get him get both of us talking about something we each mutually hated. There's a lot of, of choices in the United States today. Yeah. Yeah. But he's, he's been pounding the drum of, of, of how, how terrible academia and college has been for probably, probably before us, you know, he said it's been like a 20 year, like thesis that he's had that we've pretty much vindicated. Yeah. Yeah. And he was, he was quite pleased to see we had written that book. Oh yeah, yeah. exactly how he put it to you. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he was he, yeah quite quite happy with it. You guys didn't get a beer or a buy. You were going to, but he had to do. We're something. planning to, but I think he he got. Um, I mean, he he had other stuff he needed to get to. It's like the number one show in the world, Tucker Carlson tonight. Is that right? In the it's English speaking world, out there, yeah. All right. Well, that's exciting. So people are book drops the first week of August, but you can buy it now. Go check out. Don't go to college. A case for revolution. It is about much more than college. It's about the things we're talking about even here today. Uh, People, people are always like, how how are you doing that in a book called don't go to college? Well, you'll see if you find out it, the book is about a case for revolution. It's all and connected. It's all it connected. All, it, yeah, Mike's got it on uh, um, push pins on his wall. <laughs> yeah. Kaiser Sose is academia. Yeah, Kaiser Sose yeah. is a tranny, and yeah. he uh, is opposing the counter-revolution. Mike, God bless you. Did you have any uh, uh, parting shots? No, no, that's, that's all. Uh, check out Tucker Carlson tonight if you get the time. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me on the show again. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, look, people like this video, subscribe, click the notification bell. We have low metrics on people that we get a lot of likes, but we don't have everyone that's watching these subscribe. So make sure you're subscribed. And if you subscribe, there's no point without getting notified when we have a new show because we don't do the same time rules for retrograde episodes uh, with any regularity, which is probably something we should change, but get hit the notification bell. Also completely related to all this. It's never far afield from what we're talking about on rules for retrogrades. Get the hell out of your blue States. I guess I'm talking to you, Mike, cause you're, you're there in Massachusetts, get out of your blue States, get to a red state. 
if you're going to stay in your blue state, stay in, stay and fight. You might actually have to fight. Uh, but if you're going to do so, you're going to follow me into the uh, blood red swath of states here in the South from Texas to Florida. Then use realestateforlife.org. The summer's the best time to make the move. It's the most relaxed. And particularly this summer, because it is the summer which precedes the midterm elections. You want to get out before the midterm elections, which will probably affect uh, uh, housing market and cost of living and all that. So go to realestateforlife.org and a, a pro-life, probably Catholic person will be the one to help you get out of your blue state and get to a red state. God bless you guys. Watch Michael tonight on Tucker Carlson and watch him tomorrow if you're behind the paywall on Fox News there on Tucker's Day Show. It's all about don't go to college. And you can go buy that book on Regnery or on Amazon now. Day Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit.